out. Tristan Nick in tonight. Got Indiana up 7-0 on Indiana State. Let's just keep it low. Keep it low. Not a lot of scoring. Want the under in this game. Waiting on uh, Illinois. Kansas in a few minutes. When does that actually kick off? I don't even remember that off the top of my head. Hold on. I think that's a 3.30 game? No, no, no. That's no, that's tonight. Oh, okay. Got it's um, eight minutes. It kicks off in eight minutes. There you go. I couldn't remember whether it was a 7.30 or an 8 o'clock kick. So... Those are the two that I'm on anyway, so it's really just about me, Trista. Of it was, course. It's just all about me. Why there. wouldn't it be? It was just it was all about Makes me right sense. there. Makes Come sense. on now. Hey look, we don't have a lot of games Nothing on tonight, but we got that we got that football buzz. So you Love know, it. it's all it's all it's all kicking in just a little bit. A little US open on here too. Uh Bill Bender jumps on with us, covers college football, sporting news. Love having him on. Here you're at a volleyball clinic. Is it a clinic or a, a tournament right now that you're at? So you're making the time while you're there. Completely appreciate that. Um Look, there's a lot of conversation right now, Bill, about Texas going into Tuscaloosa, maybe having themselves a shot as Texas back. This is the best team that they've had under Sark right now. Where are you on this? Is this Texas team good enough to head into Tuscaloosa and beat this Alabama team? They are if they're accurate throwing the ball down the field. I think this is a showcase game for Quinn Ewers. There's a stat I've been pointing out all week that – Alabama is 99-5 and at home since 2009. I mean, that, that itself is absurd. And then on top of it, those five losses, three of the guys that won, won the Heisman Trophy. So Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, J- Joe Burrow all went in there and had a signature performance. So that's what's at stake for Quinn Ewers. Um, I still like Alabama. I, I think this is one of those games, and we've seen how many of them, where Alabama kind of, re- kind of reminds all of us that hey, we're still around. We're still going to be in this thing. And I think if they run the football effectively and Jalen Milroe doesn't turn it over, that's exactly what's going to happen. I was talking to Nick about this, Bill, last segment, which is there are some games that you have no feel for, so you think about maybe just watching them. And the game that I'm kind of confused and stuck on is this Miami A&M game. So obviously Mario Cristobal and his first year with Miami was a disaster, had to overhaul the coaching staff. Same thing, though, with A&M in terms of just being very disappointing. Defensively pretty good, but offensively a train wreck. Now it looks like it's maybe the opposite way around. Uh, like, What's your take on this matchup, and how good do you think both these teams could really be? I'm with you. I mean, because last year it was so ugly, and both teams looked better in week one against inferior opponents. I kind of made the joke that, if you're not hearing about Bob, Bobby Petrino or seeing anything about him on Twitter, that means it's going well. <laughs> and, and that'll be the same case tomorrow night. If there's not a lot of Bobby Petrino pan shots, that that means Connor Wegman's playing well. They took care of business. There are a lot of road favorites, short road favorites in games like this this weekend, and this is one of them. I, I, I'm going to lean on Texas A&M. I think they're the better team. But I'm anxious because they're going on the road and what's going to be a rowdy environment at Hard Rock Stadium. We're hearing a lot about Coach Prime and Deion Sanders, obviously, with what's going on at Colorado <laughs> after just one game. And clearly everybody loves it because that's the most bet game like in football period, NFL or college football. Everybody's all in on that. The bandwagon is fully in on Colorado. Are you on that bandwagon yet? When we look at this game against Nebraska, is this going to be one of those where they go in and they just roll Nebraska, or are you giving the Cornhuskers a shot in this? I mean, I, I give the Cornhuskers a shot, but I think it'll be a one-score game. And mm-hmm. who do you trust more in a one-score game? I mean, Nebraska has this long history of losing heartbreakers, and I think tomorrow could be that kind of game. And part of the reason why is 
Colorado is the two best players on the field. Shadur Sanders, 510 yards last, last week. And Travis Hunter, who, of all these bets coming out about Colorado, I think the one I would take a flyer on is him for the Heisman Trophy because regardless of what happens with their record, he's still going to play all the time. He's still going to be in this best player in the country conversation. When they play USC in a few weeks, if he somehow outshines Caleb Williams, which is a tall order, I think he has a chance to go to New York based on all these things we saw last week. I know that's an overreaction, but how many times have you seen somebody play 145 snaps in a football game? Should we be worried, uh, Bill, about Clemson? Because it feels like, no, it just is the third year in a row that they've underperformed to start the year. Uh, DJU, we thought maybe was the problem. He goes to a new program, and all of a sudden, he's lighting the world on fire. And we can't really figure out whether uh, Dabo is going to allow his offensive coordinator to do his thing or to run his style of offense. Well, it was uh, just one of those quicksand nights Monday. Every time it looked like they were going to break through, they'd sink a little deeper and missed field goals, turnovers, sloppy play. Not being able to throw the ball down the field is one of the big difference makers, too. Um, I mentioned that about Texas. Club Nick was 0 of 3 on passes of 20 yards or more. So not only are they not throwing it down the field, they're not hitting when they do. And I think a lack of explosiveness at receiver I still think the defense is pretty good, and they've got a get-right game this week. And they'll probably – I don't want to call it a last stand, but I think they'll show up when they play Florida State later in the month. But I, I've been saying all week, I mean, of all the things that happened in week one, Florida State being able to win the national championship was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, what do you think, too, about Jordan Travis possibly coming away with that Heisman now and really just the Heisman race in general after, obviously, very small sample size from week one. Certain quarterbacks, as we know, it's a, it's a quarterback award more than anything else. Certain guys made a case for themselves, and then there's others where you're maybe scratching your head saying that might be it for them. Right. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks. Jordan Travis, with the experience he has, he's in that kind of Sam Hartman class of if it goes well and they make the playoff, he'll – have a very good chance. It's what happened with Max Duggan last year getting to New York. Um, he played so well. He had one bad throw against LSU, but he's going to continue to be able to put up numbers with those two receivers. Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman was fantastic, by the way. Um, unreal having both of those guys. It did, and I'm 43 years old, it reminded me of the old Florida State teams I grew up watching where a lot of NFL talent, a lot of explosiveness, and it like I said, I, I'm not saying they're going to win the national title, but they could compete with a Georgia and an Alabama for that. If you're looking at maybe dark horses outside of USC to win the Pac-12, based on what you've seen so far, uh, who do you like? I'm not going to say Colorado, even though I, <laughs> I could be so cute if I did. Um, no, I'll say Oregon State. Uh, nice. You mentioned DJU earlier. I mean, they looked complete. And with him, they haven't probably had a quarterback as talented as him since probably Derek Anderson. That's my best guess. I mean, they've got a good roster, good defense. They won 10 games last year. Their schedule of the Pac-12 contenders, whether it's Utah, USC, Washington, or Oregon, Oregon State probably has the friendliest schedule of all them. So they're kind of, And on top of it, the more they win, the more America is going to root for them because they don't have a conference next year as of now. Talking to Bill Bender, BetMGM tonight. Uh, 
North Carolina's defense looked great against South Carolina. 16 tackles for a loss, nine sacks. They win 31-17. That was one of their biggest weaknesses last season. Do you think that's something that this team, having seen what you saw, they can sustain that level? Or maybe, look, maybe not exactly that point, but close to it. Because if you're adding Drake May and then that defense together, this could be a pretty good UNC team. You're exactly right. And for those reasons, because last year it was Drake May and we'll play to 40 and maybe they'll score 38 or maybe they'll score 45. And this year they have a little more substance. Gene Chizik has that, that toughness about that defense. I think Mac Brown recognized the problem and fixed it. And credit to him, by the way, first coach to win a hundred games at two different schools. And he's a first class guy. And I thought that was pretty cool. But as far as the ACC goes, I mean, who knew that we might be talking about North Carolina and Duke playing in a football game here in a month or so, and that might be for an ACC championship appearance. I can't believe it. Yeah. No, that's that's incredible. I'm curious your thoughts on this Iowa-Iowa State game. The total, I think, is 36-and-a-half. Uh, somebody maybe who doesn't know these two teams and how they play against each other thinks maybe that's too low, but I think it was 10-7 last year, and that's kind of more of the same. Would you take the under there? I think I would, and and if you're asking me to pick a winner, I, I am not joking when I tell you guys. I think I've done picks for Sporting News for 10 years, and I've never got that game right. I, I always <laughs> picked the wrong team. And even like those years where I was like Iowa was dominating, I was like, maybe Iowa State will get them this year. So, uh, yeah, but offensively starved on both sides. Rocco Becks was pretty efficient for the Cyclones last week. Cade McNamara is still feeling it out. I think he had a 56.7 completion percentage. So, I could see this, what did you say, 36 and a half? I, I could totally see this being a 20 to 17, 21, you know, 21 to 24 is probably going to get the win. I, I think I would still lean towards the under. Watching Caleb Williams, I mean, obviously, Bill, there's a ton of hype around this guy, and rightfully so. Wins the Heisman last year, favored to come in and win the Heisman again. I know we kind of touched on the Heisman briefly, but I, I kind of want to look at just him specifically right now because he, he's continued to just awe people with what he's done. But again, the competition's only going to get tougher as the season goes on. What does he have to do to win back-to-back Heismans? Because we know how obviously rare that is. Archie Griffin was the last one to do that in the early 70s. Like, does he have to, I mean clearly just go way over the numbers that he had last year like it's just I feel like no matter how good a player is coming off of a Heisman it just feels like it's almost impossible and there's almost a voter fatigue when it comes to it there absolutely is and that's the key that how does he avoid the voter fatigue because right now he's playing flawless football and we get to see him tomorrow night on Fox when they play Stanford but and I think the fact that he's going to have to play against all these Pac-12 quarterbacks whether it's Michael Penix, who, by the way, Washington looked amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. DJU, Notre Dame, and Sam Hartman. That could be an amazing game there in uh, late October. But I think he's going to have enough of those kind of games that if he continues to win, I would stand by this. If USC goes to the playoff and Caleb Williams does what he's doing, I think he'll win it again. And I really do. And I, I haven't felt that way about somebody, even like Bryce Young or Tebow. Tebow was the guy that I thought really would do it because he had two cracks at it. But if Caleb Williams continues to play the way he is, there's not – I mean, I feel like watching him like I do Mahomes last night. And I know they get get compared a lot, but just in terms of their playmaking skills, that's how I feel watching him. How seriously do you take what his dad said to GQ about him possibly staying if he doesn't like the team that has the number one pick in the NFL draft? Well, with a grain of salt, because Mm -hmm. I I remember us – 
starting this conversation about Andrew Luck or Tuatunga Vailoa. We all know what Eli Manning did many years ago. I still think if you've got that money on the table where you're going to be a number one pick, you'll figure things out. So, I mean, he obviously, though, in this age of NIL, he does have a lot of power. He's the most popular athlete in college football. And um, I just enjoy watching him play. I mean, every time I watch this guy play, I think, man, how did he do that? He does it at least once or twice a game. So, Rutgers, I know this is like a niche question, absolute under monster. They played uh, Northwestern in week one, combined 31 points. They played Temple. Uh, last year it was a 16-14 game. Strangely, the line moved, or the total moved from 43.5 until uh, just now 44.5. Is this another classic Rutgers Big Ten under game, or is this something that I'm missing here? Well, I, it feels like a 24-17 right on that line, so you just hope that they don't hit a field goal. Um, I do like Rutgers' defense. Greg Schiano has improved the talent there. They're still going to face an uphill battle when they play the Ohio States and Michigans in the division. But, I mean, that's what Greg Schiano knows. And, you know, Temple obviously didn't score a lot of points. That is a good niche question because I think I'm going to hammer that one tomorrow too. <laughs> hey, what do you think? Just this kind of a big picture thing before we let you go here. we got like a 90 seconds. Just what we've seen so far from all of these uh, transfers with the transfer portal and then NIL deals kind of contributing to that too. Because we we thought, I felt like USC was the example of how you can turn a program around so fast with it. And now we've seen what Colorado is. Do you think there's going to be a point where there's any sort of limits or changes to this? Because, I mean, it really has become free agency without a salary cap in college football. Yeah, I mean, everybody's pointing to the example of JT Daniels, who's played I think at four different schools. <laughs> now, I'm okay with kids having the opportunity to play, but I think the compromise to me has been you can transfer one time for free, second time you transfer, maybe you got to sit a year. And that would change the game a little bit. Now, with NIL, is that going to happen? I don't know. It, it, with the 12-team playoff and trying to keep interest in the bull system, that's another long-term question for the sport. I don't know. I will say, I mean, for all that we talked about all that stuff, it was a really fun first weekend. And the way Duke closed it by beating Clemson and the, 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 that America was actually rooting for Duke football when they spend the winter hating Duke basketball, I thought that's part of the power of college football. I thought it was amazing. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Love talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on again. Good stuff. Anytime, guys. Great having you. Uh, talk to you again soon. Talk to you yeah. soon. I mean, I just, uh, it's, it's, it really is fascinating to me. I love just seeing what you're able to do with programs. Now, I know some people don't like it, but like, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I wanted to ask him about Tez Walker. Yeah, he that mentioned was, that, and then we didn't have time. Yeah, that, and that's the thing, too, because then it's like that's the one time where someone's actually been limited. But I don't have a problem with players transferring if you go to a school and you're promised one thing. And I get it promised in quotes, but why not go and have another opportunity to play more somewhere else? Because it worked out for Joe Burrow, right? Left Ohio State, goes to LSU, wins the Heisman, wins a national championship, number one overall pick. Like, it's okay for players to decide. Like, it's like getting a job. They promise you one thing, you ain't what you're getting, so you decide, going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I it happens. that to happen. That would be tough. So, you know, it's, I, I just, I know some people get so upset over it, but honestly, I, I think there's, a, there's limits you put on it, but, you know, it's like, the NFL, free agency. Guys go somewhere else, too. That's what it is. Happens all the time. Speaking of the NFL, should we maybe take the Lions seriously now? Possibly. Bet I'm Jam the Night.